Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all just cray-cray, and I love it. All right. Stand up with me. Welcome all of you who are here today and those of you watching online. Don't leave. We know when you're checking out. All right. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're kicking off a series called The Best of the Best, and I know that each and every one of us have moments where we feel like we're at our best, and then we have those moments when we feel like we're at our worst. So the idea really is every day to take a step toward being our best, and that's relative. Some people would consider... uh, that right now is is their best life, and uh, for today, maybe it is, but I don't know about you, but I'd prefer not to be in the same place next year that I am this year, and that we're always trying to become our best. There's a lady who lived in a, a small neighborhood, and houses were rather close together, so, you know, people would go out and sit on their porches, and she began to notice that one of her neighbors, an elderly gentleman, would sit out on his front porch in a rocking chair, and he'd just smile. And everybody walking down the sidewalk, he'd greet. And so finally one day, she she pleasant, always so kind and, and always so happy. And so finally one day, she, she became curious as to what made him the way he was, the best he could be and being happy all the time. And so she walked over and walked up the sidewalk to the porch, and she said, Sir, I've got to ask you a question. You know, you're elderly, but you always seem to be very, very happy and kind to people. Can, can I ask you what your secret is? And he said, well, I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. I eat nothing but junk food, and I never exercise. She looked at him. She said, that's absolutely amazing. How old are you? He said, 26. And so, uh, <laughs> you'll think about that one for a while, I know. You know, we, we never really know uh, what people are going through when they really are their best or why they're, they're their best they are. And, and so today we want to kind of address or expose uh, what I believe to be the five enemies of us becoming our best. And, th- and there are probably more than five, but I-, I hope to even get to all five of these. Because if you know your enemy, you know what's preventing you from being your best, then it's going to help you become your best. The challenge in most of our lives is that we oftentimes, when we're not living the life that we feel like is our best, we start looking around at other people. We start looking at at how they're treating us or how they're neglecting us or how they're rejecting us or maybe they're talking about us or maybe you weren't brought up right. And, and, And because of that, you feel like that somebody else has kept you from living your best life. When in reality is, 
it doesn't matter what somebody around you does. It doesn't matter if people accept you, reject you, neglect you. What matters is what's going on inside of us. And other may try to make it more difficult, but you can still have an incredible life around a lot of idiots. I mean people. You can still live your best life. Because the people around us are not the ones that determine how good our life really can be. If we can learn to tune people out and, and trust God and be happy anyway, the happier you, you get, the more irritated those who already irritate you will get. And that will bring great joy to your life. Knowing that they don't have control over you. That, that you can be happy, you can live your best life without their approval. The problem is most of the time because of human nature and our fallen nature, we live our lives thinking about worst, worst case scenarios. What's the worst thing that can happen? And, and that's just the worst thing I could ever think of. And instead of that, and I'm not suggesting that we don't look at the spectrum of things when we're making decisions, but ask yourself the question, what would be the best case scenario in every decision? What would be the optimal scenario uh, in my life if I get to choose? And there will always be people who will tell you, you'll never make it. People like us don't make it. People from our community never get better. We never get our best. We, we're just, we just were born at the wrong time, in the wrong family, uh, in the wrong neighborhood. We can go down the list of reasons that we can't make it, but, but Christ died for every one of us to live at our best. We get to choose. So turn your Bible, message Bible, verse 7. And I just like this passage of Scripture. It's so uplifting. I'm going to read it out of the message Bible, verse 7. Now God has us where he wants us. Isn't that a great place to be? With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Some of y'all just stand in on us. And, and we, we listen to the opinions of others, and we, we listen to the thoughts of others, and we watch way too much news, and, and the world's going to hell, and it's getting worse, and it's going to keep getting worse. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that. I believe for the believer, it's going to keep getting better and better, and the light of God's going to shine brighter and brighter. In a dark world, we're even going to be brighter than you could ever imagine. Never lose hope. Never lose sleep over the things that are going on in this world because God is showering us with grace. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. So we exercise faith, but we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith, but we have to put works with our faith because faith without works is dead. However, the reality is the greatest work we will ever do is not what we do physically, but it's how we think mentally. That if you can think right, you can live right. If you can think good, you can live good. 
If you can think best, you can live best. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you want to change the outcome of your life or the daily routines of your life, start thinking better. Tomorrow is Monday. If I were to do a survey or poll people today and say, man, tomorrow's Monday. Well, that sucks. we got to go back to work. <laughs> really? It's going to be a great day for you, isn't it? No, you need to look and say, I cannot wait to get up tomorrow morning. I, I, I can't wait to get to work. Amen. Now, I know right now you think I'm half crazy, but the reality is your Monday is going to be like a Friday if you start thinking it's Friday. It's all in how we think. It's all in how we approach life. Many people live a downcast life, not because their life's not good. Even wealthy people are, are often miserable people. Yeah. What makes you your best is how you think. And I know that he can take that horrible circumstance and situation and turn it into absolutely something gorgeous. He makes all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we have to grasp that. So the f here are some crazy, just, just off-the-cuff, fun uh, little facts. Crazy oppositions, what I call it, or best battles. Number one, more than 2,500 left-handed people are killed every year from using right-handed products. Now, my wife is left-handed, so honey, whatever you do, be careful today. Think about it. Just something stupid. You say, well, I can't live my best life. I'm left-handed. Just be smart. Number two, more people are killed by donkeys annually than are killed in plane crashes. Bet you didn't know that. And I'm sure the ones who are killed by donkeys are not living their best life. That's what you get for hanging around with. Anyway, uh... I didn't say it. I don't know what y'all are thinking. Thirteen people are killed each year by vending machines falling on them. That's what you get for trying to shake them. <laughs> Living your best life means being smart and thinking right. And, and, and having a positive attitude and a positive outlook on life. So the first enemy is the enemy of average. I have a friend who uh, wrote a book called The en uh, Enemy Called Average. And in our world, average has now become the acceptable thing. Do you realize many people apply for jobs and they don't ask, what is the best way to get a promotion? They ask this, what do I have to do to keep my job? In other words, what they're saying is, what's the average here? What's the, the bare minimum I have to do to be employed here? This is the thinking of most people. Rather than thinking, man, what can I do to be the best that I can be? I have to think beyond average. There was a book that came out years ago called I'm Okay, You're Okay. And that's not okay. Because most people are not okay. And if all your goal is to be okay, you might just achieve it. But that's average. Why not believe for something better? Why not pursue God's best for if you want to live? What do you dream about? What do you think about? And when you share it with somebody, there's a really good chance they'll go, yeah, that's just too hard. That's just too much effort. That takes too much work. That's often what you hear from what I call lazy people. And the book of Proverbs has a lot of things to say about lazy people. Don't be a lazy person or you'll never enjoy the best of the best. I'm thinking about Abraham right now, and Abraham's father left Ur of the Chaldeans, and he was 
going to Canaan. Well, we know Canaan land is the land of promise. And, and so here Abraham is being brought up by a fra- father who was willing to leave where he was, but he wasn't willing to work hard to get to where he was supposed to go. He settles in a land called Haran. And the Bible says that he died there. Now imagine just for a moment, Abraham's father was his mentor. He was his teacher. And can't you see his dad saying, Abraham, we're loading up the mules and we're going to Canaan. And all of a sudden, en route, they find this place called Haran or Haran and they stop there. They pause. Can you imagine Abraham going, Dad, why aren't we going to Canaan? I hear great things about it. I, I hear it's a land of promise. I hear it's incredible and beautiful. And his dad goes, son, you know, uh, we got it pretty good here. We got food. We know a few people. You know, our tent is really good. And, you know, we just think that this is probably the best place for us. And then the day comes when his father dies and Abraham is there now as the, the head patriarch and God addresses him and I promise I want you to leave the land you're in, and I want you to go to Canaan, the land I promised. Now, Abraham has to shift his thinking, thinking, well, and here's the thinking that most kids have. If it was good enough for mom and dad, it's good enough for me. Let me tell you something. That is bunk. Your you part, put them back together, he could build houses, but my dad had limited thinking. He could have owned a very successful business of his own, but he decided that was just too much risk. We're okay. We're going to make it. We'll have enough money to retire. Before we die, everything is going to be fine. Now, you know, I'm not being critical of that, but I could just never buy into that. There was something inside me that felt violated by that mentality. And I thought, I don't want to just get by. I don't want to just be okay. I want to be the best I can be. When I die on my tombstone, I want it to say, he lived the best life. All five of you, thank you. Wow, it's okay. Okay, people are clock watchers. So stop watching the clock and listen, okay? Get this inside you because being your best comes with a price. You have to sometimes separate from the pack. You have to talk to yourself because nobody else is talking inspirationally to you. You have to defy average because average will come after you. That's the number one enemy is the enemy called average. Here's what happens, and one of our founders or one of our presidents penned these words, and I love them because most of the time we're not our best because we're measuring ourselves by everybody else, and when it becomes an effort to have to try to get to our best, here's what happens. You cannot strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. You cannot help the wage earner by pulling down the wage payer. You cannot help the poor by destroying the rich. You cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they could and should do down to our level and say, this is the best. When you don't want to work hard to get to where God wants me to go. You never build anything 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week 
is the minimum anyone works. That should be the minimum, not the maximum. I used to, when I was building a church, people said, well, you know, how much time do you put in? I was working 60 hours a week, so that's just too much. Well, that depends on who you ask. I wanted to be the best I could be and do the best I could do. And so I had to work a little harder. Now, there's no criticism if you don't. I had a friend that had a little business, a little courier business, and it was when I first moved here, and I'm asking a lot of questions to a lot of business owners, and he had just a small business. He was the only employee, and he ran and, and did courier service around the metro. And I said, uh, well, tell me, you know, what, what hours do you work? You know, and he said, well, you know, usually 9 to 3. I thought, wow, you're either rich or dumb. Nobody works six hours and, and, and becomes the best. And I asked him the question. I said, well, why do you do that? Couldn't you work more and make more? Yeah, he said, you know, I got two kids at home. And, and he said, you know, I'm just, I'm happy with where I'm at. Now, I'm not being critical of that. If, if he says that's the best for me, okay. But my idea is if I am living at my best, I can help others get to their best. If I'm living average, then the best I could ever hope for is to bring people up to average. That's the reason I challenge us every week to live the abundant life, to forgive, to stay happy, to go over and above, to exercise faith, to change your confession from, well, you know, nothing good ever happens to us, to it's getting ready to rain. It's changing. My life is changing. I don't care where you grew up. I don't care what your mom and daddy are like. I don't care what your natural DNA is. What I know is this, that God made you for greatness. And he made you to live an abundant life. Now, he's offered it. You have to choose it. Jesus did not die for you to get better. He died for you to live the best life. Well, I'm a little better than I was. That's good. I'm glad. Are you at your best? This will irritate people who are mediocre today. You'll, you'll be talking about me over lunch and vomiting tonight. That's what happens when you talk about the preacher, you know what I'm saying? I didn't say that. I, I mean, somebody told me. When you put somebody else down, you're not lifting yourself up. You're just dragging them down to your low level. You're just average. Second enemy is you're going to end up. What do you really believe? Because whatever it is you believe is what you're going to end up living. If Abraham would have embraced his father's belief system that living in Haran or Haran was going to be the best, when God said, I want you to go to Canaan, but everything's okay in Haran, Abraham's belief system had to change for him to go to the place of God's purpose and God's plan. Oftentimes, people have a hard time being different than their parents. They feel like if I'm different than my mom and dad, if I believe differently than they do, I'm putting them down. No, you're not. You're just saying I'm a different person. I'm not like my mom and dad. I'm not the same person. I love them, but they're different than me. There have been people who are Lutheran for 3,500 years. I know that's too long because Lutherans weren't around that long, or Nazarene, or Methodist, or Assembly of God. When I got born again in the Assembly of God Church, when I left it, they cut me off. You're not a part of us anymore. I thought, 
because my parents and my grandparents were assembly of God. I'm not running down any denomination or elevate. All I'm saying is this. I decided that did not fit me. Because Jesus in the church I went to and the preacher I heard, God was coming back and he was mad. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God's scary enough happy. Can you imagine God being angry? I mean, the thought of God even coming back happy is a little scary to me. You know, I'm, you're God, you know. I, and you're happy. I'm glad. But oftentimes we stay where we are because of our family, not because of our call. And I realized I was never going to be the best. I was way too happy for that church. I was way too positive. I mean, they were still doing Jericho Auditorium. That's a little scary. And some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. That means you grew up Baptist. And the only difference in Baptist and Assembly of God, they were both mean. Assembly of God just spoke in tongues. Which made them feel superior, by the way. Let me just tell you. I'm just stepping on all kinds of denominational feet today. Forgive me. But, but the reality is sometimes we have to do things out loud, say things out loud to kind of shake us up and go, yeah, that really is kind of ridiculous thinking. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget, my mom and dad were so glad when I got born again and, and started going to their church. Everything was going to be just fine. And, and I just decided I wanted to try out this new non-denominational thing where really it's interdenominational. It's, it's all the people from denominations that were fed up with denominationalism. And we just want to go to a place where we just do church. I don't want to have to go to a class to go to heaven. You know what I'm saying? I just want to go to a cross. So that's what I did. I just said, I'm going to go to the cross. Y'all can go to class. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just saying your belief system has to be your belief system. My dad looked at me one day and he said, Mark, life's not a merry-go-round. And I looked back at him. I said, Dad, I believe life's whatever you make it. And I'm going to make it something great. Now, I wasn't being mean to my dad, but his mentality and mine were different. And you don't have to be mean to disagree. You can look at somebody and, and disagree with them and love them. I never stopped loving my dad, and he never stopped loving me, but I never went to his church again. It worked for them. It didn't work for me. I mean, I say things here that would get my license removed in most denominations. <laughs> Just drinking Red Bull would probably get me in suspended. Yeah, I know. I need help. But I'm having a good time. You know, the thing to me is, is the church ought to be the happiest event in the world. You shouldn't have to go to a concert and go, that concert was so good. We had so much fun. Then they go to church on Sunday and go, we went to church. Everybody looks and goes, and that's why I don't go. I mean, a lot of churches... Okay, here's, <laughs> deadly doctrines, belief systems are these, I'm not worthy. You know how many times I've heard that? I'm not worthy. 
I, I was, uh, when I first started ministry, I went into the Methodist church, and actually Methodist church doctrine's awesome. I mean, the book of discipline's incredible. They just, nobody practices it. And, no, I really, I, I was that rebel that went in to the first board meeting. I'm just young and zealous, and I'm in this big, I forget what they call it, SPRC, you know, like staff, parish, relations committee, and there are like 30, 40 people, and I go in, I'm, I'm just young, bright-eyed, and I'd already read the book of discipline, and they're in there all naysaying and negative, and I said, I'm, I'm just young and dumb. I just had more zeal than I had wisdom, and I said, any of y'all ever read this book? I was like, because I'm pretty excited about it, and y'all, I don't know what you're thinking. I was happy. And what I wanted to challenge was, I wanted to challenge that belief system that, that, you know, we're called to be a happy people, a joyful people, a positive people, in the face of negative. I mean, I think if I was in a burning building and I could find some graham crackers, chocolate, and marshmallows, I'd just go ahead and have s'mores and die. I can't get out of here, but I can sure have fun before I go. See, and I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there going, he is cray-cray. No, I'm just a guy that's just so tired of people being unhappy and down and negative. I'm thinking, why don't we just get happy in the midst of negative situations? I'm not worthy. And so anyway, in that church, one, we were in the prayer uh, during this time, and everybody kind of went around praying, and, and one lady prayed this. I'll never forget it. And again, I'm, I'm just, I can't stand negative. And she goes, Isaiah, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're just worms. And I went, you may be crawling, honey, but I'm flying. So when it came my time, I could, everybody knew I was talking about her. I went, here. Why? Because I, Isaiah's pre-Christ. When Christ came, he said, I'm cleaning y'all up. I'm making everything right. I'm showering you with grace. Just get out the shampoo. I'm not worthy is, is a deadly doctrine. God doesn't love me. You know how many times I've heard that? God doesn't love me. First off, let me say this. It is impossible for God to not love you because God is love. That's who he is. He's crazy about you. Even when you're crazy, he's crazy about you. God loves you when you're as stupid as a donkey. God never stops loving us. And when I got that revelation that that it wasn't just my mom who loved me, you know what I'm saying? Because everybody, your mama, you know, mom, you can do anything. Mom, you lied to me. I cannot. But then God says, but I can do anything through you. I'm not worthy. God doesn't love me. I believe in God, but God doesn't believe in me. I've heard all these stories as a pastor, people being down on themselves, beating themselves up. Um, change your belief system. And, and you know what? There are parents who will try to control you and try to keep you where they are because they feel comfortable there. I'm sure Abraham was challenged. Well, dad was comfortable here. Why can't I be? Because God didn't tell me to go to Haran. He told me to go to Canaan. God said, don't go from where you are to good. Go from where you are to best. Don't settle. Number three enemy 
is shame. I love it. Amy didn't even know I was preaching this message today talking about shame can go to hell. I love those lyrics. The first time we sang that, I I turned around to see how many people were going to walk out. I really did. I thought, you know, life in your mouth, in your house. Hell is a place where shame belongs. Shame does not belong in your home, in your life, in your mouth, in your house. You say, well, I've done a lot of bad things. Join the human race. Most people have done bad things. It's just not everybody gets caught. Always think of it that way. Because the, the thing you did is probably... Now, I'll get accused thought about. I'm not... Now, I'll get accused of, of, of preaching and, and being light on sin. You know what? I'm not light on sin. I'm just large on grace. Where sin abounds, grace does more abound. I'm just going to be large on grace. And you can say all you want to say to me about sin, and a lot of people preach on sin. How bad? I get it. You don't have to tell me how bad sin is. I've experienced it. <laughs> Hello, and so have most of you. We don't have to go, oh, it's so bad. No, we all look at each other and go, mm-hmm. I like that shower of grace thing going on. Why don't we talk about that? Why? It, it lifts God up. It elevates God. Oswald Chambers said, God knows me. It's different from God is omniscient, which is all-knowing. The latter is a mere theological statement. The former is a child of God's most precious possession. God knows me, not God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing, but the most precious thing we have is God knows me. And God loves me anyway. The challenge will never be getting God to love you. The challenge will be you wanting other people to love you so much that you will conform to their image and likeness instead of embracing God's. People said you should never preach again. I thought, well, the day that you rule and reign and you make the Milky Way rotate, I'll quit. Until then, I'm going with the one who said my gifts and callings are irrevocable. And you know, that sounded really kind of arrogant and mean until I I went, that's actual truth. And sometimes truth to people who are living a lie sounds arrogant. But the reality is for me to get my confidence back, I had to say it over and over again. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They're without reverse. They only have forward. His plan never changes. We ought to be lifting people up who fell down instead of saying you were so stupid to fall down, I'm going to step on you. Churches preach it but have a hard time living it. We're all of ex-cons every Sunday right down here. On the front row. And I celebrate them every week because they didn't quit believing when they were incarcerated. They saw themselves as free and they lived as free and they became free. And that's how you do it. They didn't sit in there and have a pity party. They rose up every day and said, my best is before me. And now the church needs to stand up with them and say, that's right, and we stand with you. That's what I'm talking about. 
I'm preaching myself happy up in here. When we don't totally perfect our belief system, then we feel shamed and condemned. You'll never perfect it, but you can every day get up and believe it. Greater is God in me than all that's going on in the world. Max Lucado said, Christians don't work in order to go to heaven. They work because they are going to heaven. You don't work to get there. You work because you know you're already going there. I don't have to be my best to prove anything to God. I am my best to prove God to everyone. Why would anyone want to become a Christian if you walked around and acted like a world that was fallen and that you were always defeated and you were always negative? Why would anybody want to come to church if you looked like them, talked like them, and acted like them in their darkest hours? Not judging them. I was just one of them. And I was just looking for people that actually acted like they had a Savior. Most of them look like if God pulled their number out of the hopper, oh boy, I get to go to heaven. I would rather not be a part of such a thing. But when I found people who were happy and acted like they were actually saved, instead of sleeping upside down in a post hole, look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Well, your hair is kind of long, young man. <laughs> of course, my line was, well, so was Jesus. Well, Jesus didn't have barbershop. <laughs> How do you know? Because I had really long hair. I, I didn't look like them. Still don't want to, but I'm losing mine, so there's not a lot I can do about it now. <laughs> you know, if I had thick hair and a lot of it, I'd just go Samson on you. But there's barely enough up here. You know, they got that stuff. A friend of mine said, man, you got this dust you can put in. And I thought, I just feel funny about that. (laughs) I ain't mad at you if you're dusting your hair or anything. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I look around. There are a bunch of us that are challenged follically today. I think we ought to have a bald month. You know, they have a no-shave November. I think we ought to just have a shave it all September. Anyway. Compassion will cure more sins than shame and condemnation. Commendation knocks people. I was listening to a podcast this week, and it just kind of got on me good. And... uh I'm going to start doing this because it's just so nice. You know, we, we're so quick when we get poor service or somebody does this wrong to complain or talk to a supervisor. The next time you have a great waiter or waitress, a server, and they're, have the manager come over to the table and say, I just want you to know you have one of the best employees I've ever seen. And right in front of the manager and them, let the manager know, I want to commend you and commend them. We had the best service we could have ever experienced today. It will freak everybody out. 
one day I decided, I just felt the Spirit of God. I was all alone in this restaurant. I was staying at a hotel, and, and I'm down in the, the hotel restaurant, and, and uh, this precious little young lady is waiting on me. I could tell she was struggling, and, but she did a great job. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, but today I don't want you to tip her. I want you to bless her. And he said, I want you to give her $100. So I, I paid for my ticket, and when I was leaving, I just put a $100 bill on the table. I'm walking out to the parking lot, and she chases me out the door. <laughs> sir, sir, you, you left this. I said, I know I did. I left it for you. Amen. We've got to bless people. Amen. You've got to honor people. Number four, enemy is doubt. Doubt. You doubt that God could ever use you or do anything through you. Abraham could have doubted. Moses doubted. The Bible says he stuttered. He had faltering lips. One translation says he doubted that God could use him to go into Egypt and deliver the children of Israel. We doubt ourselves. We, we doubt because we, we know uh, we know ourselves so well. We doubt our ability. We have it happens. If I want to try something, I'm going to try it. Oftentimes we live our lives so conservatively because we're afraid of being laughed at. Well, when you can learn to laugh at yourself, it doesn't matter who else laughs at you. You can look and say, that was just so dumb. I tripped over a crack in the pavement. Look at me, Hillary. I just tripped. <laughs> I miss Bill so much. <laughs> Can't believe. Unbelief distinguished between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is won't believe. Doubt is honesty. Unbelief is obstinacy. Doubt is looking for light. Unbelief is content with darkness. In other words, we can address doubt and overcome it. If you are just doubtful, say, I'm not going to allow the doubt to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. Through self-doubt, we lose our sense of self-worth. We cannot doubt self. You know, I, I, I oftentimes love just preaching as I go and uh, thinking of things. And I, I'm thinking of Amy, our little worship leader up here today the, the, that, that can sing, you know, the rafters off. And, 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 and Amy would tell you this, and I'm going to tell you, if she gets mad at me, she can email me or call me. She's got my email and my number. But I remember her fighting, watching her fight through. She has this gorgeous voice an incredible worshiper, but I watched her struggle through, but she didn't quit. She faced it, and she beat it, and as a result, we're blessed because she leads us into the presence of God. Thank you, Amy. You can go ask her if I'm accurate afterwards, and she will tell you absolutely, but she is crushing it. Prepare for what you ask because it's already done. Dwight Moody said, if you pray for bread and bring no basket to carry it, 
you prove the doubting spirit, which may be the only hindrance to what you've asked for. When you pray, are you prepared for the answer? That will kill doubt. When we ask God, you say, well, I haven't seen anything yet. You may recall the story of Elijah dealing with King Ahab. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. But in his heart, he knew what God had promised. When you know what God has promised, you can quit doubting because he is not a man that he should lie. And he said, you better go. And then his servant went back like seven times and finally said, well, you know, there's a cloud about the size of a hand. Elijah said, it's getting ready to pour. Let me just tell you, I don't care if the skies are clear and you're looking for a rain of blessing. You just declare every day, today is my day. Just look up and your neighbors will freak out. And if you want a neighbor to move, just start going near their property line and saying things like that. Their house will go up for sale real soon. God, thank you. You're getting ready to rain on us. We're a blessed people. Coming in and going out. In the city and the country. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. They'll look and go, Henry, we got to get out of the neighborhood. It sounds crazy. To people who are negative and what I call realist. I am not a realist. I'm an optimist. I believe nothing is too difficult for God. Last enemy is escapism. It's where you try to run from. And just because you're exercising energy, you think you're getting it done. Don't run from anything. Stand your ground, stand firm, and press on. Paul said, I press, which implies there was resistance to him getting to his best. You must press to get to the best. It ain't going to come easy. What I'm talking about today is not like it's no magic pill. There's nothing you can take. You have to fight through. There are days, if not weeks, and often months that you think, man, what is going to happen? Before I started Mosaic Church, I was unemployed had no job opportunities. And what do you do? You've been a preacher for 40 years. Where do you go? I don't know anything but God. And I don't know anything but this. And I'm thinking, well, God, it's in your hands. And here I am. And, you know, I, I didn't do it to, to rebel against any. I see people watching online still contemplating it. We have to realize we don't live our lives for other people. We live our lives for God and other people are blessed as a result of that. If you live your life looking around and trying to run, you'll never arrive at the place of your destiny. You recall Moses tried to escape Egypt, not realizing that from a mere baby when he was in that basket that God by ordination placed him in Egypt knowing that when he grew up he would become the deliverer of Israel Moses you may recall killed an Egyptian man and then saw two Hebrew children fighting and and they turned on him when he addressed him so what are you going to do kill me like you did that Egyptian Moses ran he fled he left he escaped you can run all you want but you can never outrun the call of God on your life. 
wherever God's called you to be, whatever God's called you to do. There are people that, because of my mistake, people say, well, Mark Cole can't be my pastor. I can be your pastor if God called me to be your pastor. I mean, I, I love everybody. There's not one person I don't love. There's some people I don't like, but, but I love everybody. And I, I really try to like everybody. I, I shouldn't say I don't like some people. I don't like the way some people behave, just like some people don't like the way I behave. But the reality is I love everybody. And I know this, that I'm going to stand before God and God alone one day. I'm not going to stand before you. I'm not going to stand before my critics. I'm not going to stand before anybody but God. And when I do, I want to say, God, I did what you said do. I know a lot of people didn't believe in it. They didn't follow. They didn't do what they were supposed to. I did what I was supposed to do. I came back to my city that you called me to, and I obeyed you in the face of shame, doubt, criticism, judgment. And you know what? I'm the happiest. I'm married to a wonderful woman. Don't tell me God's not a God of second chances. Let me tell you something. When somebody gives up on you, there's somebody else out there that ain't going to. And you just have to step up and say, you can give up on me all you want. God won't give up on me. I won't give up on me. Don't you give up on me. Let's stand strong and obey God and not try to run. Just be Do you think you're going to be around anybody very long and not get your little feelings hurt? But you shouldn't because great peace have those who love the law of God. Nothing shall offend them. If you stay in love with Jesus... You know that little thing I did this morning? If you focus on your pain, you lose sight of God. But when you focus on God, you'll lose sight of your pain. Amen. Keep your focus on God. I, I, there was one time somebody said, I'm about to close. Uh, somebody said something to me. And I didn't even get it till the next day that they really meant it to offend me. <laughs> I wasn't offended for 24 hours. I thought, well, I think they meant that mean. I've got, had a gomer moment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, shock, shazam. And some of y'all have not watched Gomer Pyle. And I would suggest that you go Netflix, that dude. He had this innocent dumbness about him. You know, he just didn't get it. I, I kind of like that. Now, I didn't like it then. I always laughed at him. I thought, I kind of want to be like him. Shazam, shucks. Don't settle for average. Don't let your belief system tell you what to do. You do what you believe. Don't live it for somebody else. Don't doubt. Don't live in much. Don't run. These will keep you from your best. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you didn't change your mind when Jesus was in the garden, when he was on the cross. You didn't go, this is just too painful. Uh, this is too ridiculous. There are people abusing my son. The reality is you knew exactly what you signed him up for and what he signed up for. And neither of you became bitter. You are love. You maintained love. God, we want to be like you. And if that's our goal, then we must love at all times. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you today watching online, those of you here, that maybe you've not made a decision to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And today would be a great day for that. And I know that for me, when I was thinking about becoming a Christian, I, I was thinking about what it would do to me, not what it would do for me. In other words, I would did all of that. Nobody told me. But I was desperate for Him, and I prayed a simple prayer that made a life-changing difference for me. 
for the last 42 years. So I want to pray this prayer and ask all of you watching online and those of you in here to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Amen.